morning, but we have five different people we were talking about praying for that have serious cancer issues. And, and uh, you heard me talk about Mark Wilson, our elder. Mark has very serious cancer in his body. And our prayer, above all else, is that God would. I talked to Mark about an hour this week, and getting ready to go to Houston and Indy Anderson and some other stuff, and, and uh, all that they're going to do. And, and we left our conversation this way. That works. We, we pray that that works. If it doesn't, God is bigger than kidney cancer. God is bigger than cancer in your lungs. And our prayer is someone who loves him, is my brother in Christ, my dear friend. I want God to remove that. I want God to heal him on that. But you know what? I don't tell God to do that. Dad, I, I love you. I trust you. I know you can do this. And I ask you, what we were talking about is this beautiful example of Jesus. <laughs> We've got a group in Israel now, and one of my dear friends, and several of my dear friends are on that trip, and one of them, and she affected me 46 times from Israel. Mark and I had talked about it on the phone. Such a, the way he's handling it is such a 
your relationships are, your time is. Pour yourself into people because you just don't know what tomorrow brings. Don't know. Use it, value it, live by faith, trust me, learn from me. If I love you, you love others. If I forgive you, you forgive others. Treat people the way you like to be treated. On and on. Live out the word of God. Don't just talk about it. Be it. The righteous live by faith. So what we're looking at here in Jeremiah 3 today is God says to them, I know where you've been. I know who you've been with. I know all about your idolatry. I know all about your spiritual harlotry. Running after other gods. Bringing you back on me. Saying, despite all that I've done for you and I've loved you, you don't want anything to do with me. I'm just saying, show you how much I love you. Look at verse 13, Jeremiah chapter 3. 313. God says, Acknowledge your iniquity. You have transgressed against the Lord your God and have scattered your charms, the alien deities under every green tree, and have not obeyed my voice, says the Lord. Return to me. First thing I want you to notice is God says, I want you to I want you to confess your sin. And all confession of sin means in Scripture is agree. That's what the word means. Agree with God. How much about you does God know? Everything. They weren't hiding anything from God, and neither are you. Neither am I. That's why in the Sermon on the Mount, you had those self-righteous, hypocritical Pharisees, the religious leaders, the most religious people that ever walked planet Earth. Paul, when you read Philippians, and we, we saw that last fall, Paul saying, when I was a Pharisee, I looked at myself as righteous in the eyes of God. In other words, I didn't sin. When it came to the law, I was blameless. How arrogant and stupid could you be? But that's who the Pharisees were. So in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus raises the bar. He says, okay, buddy, buddies, in your mind, you haven't sinned. You haven't broken the law. But if you thought about it, thought about it, you're guilty of all. You have heard it said, thou shalt not commit adultery. But if you have thought about it, you're guilty. Well, every man in the crowd did what at that moment? They were guilty. They were guilty. Despite their arrogance and their self-righteousness, they were guilty before God. And one of the most encouraging things and challenging things in Scripture to understand about your God is he is omniscient. He knows everything. You don't hide anything from him. You're not cute. You can play a nice game with everybody else. But you're not hiding from the Holy Spirit. You're not. And so what God wants you to do is acknowledge that. So he says to Judah, confess your sin of your backsliding, your idolatry, your disobedience to me. All the things we talked about last week. He says to them, acknowledge it. Here's the picture. Admit it to yourself and then to God. Here's what we talked about briefly last week. Here's what happens when you start backsliding. Sometimes you don't even know who you are. Then you stop being what you need to do. You stop spending time in the, mm -hmm. the Word of God and in prayer and personal time with your Father, devotion, and letting the Holy Spirit 
through the Word of God. You know, we joke about these Our Baby Bread devotional books. That simple little devotional book, if you make it a habit of your life, it doesn't have to be that one. It's got a good price on that one. That's the only thing about it. But in that simple little devotional book, you say, I'm going to give it 10 minutes every day, and it kind of becomes a habit of your life. You will be amazed in that 10 little minutes you spend reading five, six verses of scripture, reading a little, a little devotion, and spending a little time praying. You'd be amazed how that little 10 minutes alone with God can change some areas in your life. You might be convicted of something. What I've always struggled with with Christians, and I are one, and even when I was a traveling salesman, it was always important to me to realize that, and obviously I didn't do it well all the time, but before I go out today, and I work out of my house or I'm on the road, and I want to make sure that God and I are cool before I go, because I had to deal with some real nothing. Uh, I called on a lot of chain stores, and a lot of people would come down, like a uh, high manager with companies like Target and Walmart, and they would say, Walter, which I don't know how rich he's going to be in 1977. I might have called up to him a little more. But, you know, some of those people, they can be arrogant, they can be rude. I mean, I thought I was going to lose my job when Target came to Memphis. I, I was the guy that designated the first hand in Memphis I got back to the store. It was given to me as a representative of the company I worked for. And I spent two weeks setting up the Target. It's still there over at Colonial in East Memphis. And I had put two weeks in one store. Now, I had about 90 accounts. I put two weeks in one of them. Getting it ready for the grand opening, I was working my tail off. And this guy came in, I'll never forget his name, just because it was not a good day for me. It had been a tough two weeks, very hard with deadlines and all that, trying to get everything in. And he walked up and he asked me something that he said, Where is so and so? He said, My name is Joe Montaleon. And I knew he wasn't from Memphis. <laughs> he said, My name is Joe Montaleon, and I want to know where this stuff is. And I turned to him and I said, My name is Randy Lockley, and I don't give a rip what you want. I didn't use the word rip. <laughs> and I thought, this guy was a vice president of Minnesota with Target. He was a dog. And I was a flea at that moment. <laughs> I told him, you know, I said, I'll get it done. I put two weeks in here, Mr. Markham. I'm going to get this done. And I figured he'd leave there and he'd call my boss's boss and I'd be looking for work for the next week. It all worked out. Everything was fine. But one thing I I need to understand as a believer is I'm not working. But I need to be real. Every day, you don't know what you're going to face when you walk out the door. You think you do. And I'm not just talking about difficult situations. I'm talking about opportunities. You never know when God's going to give you an opportunity to lovingly share your faith with someone. I told you I was um, talking with Mark Wilson on the phone. About an hour about his cancer. Well, his, his son is a kid that I've known. He's in his mid 30s now. I've known him since high school. We're very close. And he and I went to the golf tournament together Friday, just me and him. And what do you think we talked about in the car all the way over there? This is his mom is married to Mark's wife, Pam Wilson Mark's wife, Jimmy's mother. And it really just gives me an opportunity as Jimmy 
struggle a little bit. And you might always say you've got two little kids. And you never know. I, we were going to the golf course to have a good time. We go every year together. We have a great time. But beyond that, we had the opportunity just to talk about two men, one older, one younger, about walking your face. He's got a little boy he loves with all his heart. He wants little Hudson to know Jesus. That's important. That thrills me that that's important. Jimmy, that his little boy, Hudson, I call him little Randy. I go to him. He plays all the Jimmy Drury Golf Club. I'm happy to get him. They slip out of the Especially after you chili dip and get away. But, you know, so he jumped his club. And I said, hold over, I put my arm out. And I said, Jimmy, 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 Jimmy. I said, one of these days, we're going to be out here, me, you, little Randy. And I'm going to have to turn to little Randy. And I'm going to put my arm around him. And say, little Randy, don't throw your club like your daddy does. Just John is joking with me. And I love to be able to do that. Because what I know is I could be the guy chucking the club on the next hole. Because I tend to, I tend to kill the other one. Or skull. Or miss it all together. So you never know what's going to happen. But what I do know is that God wants me to trust him. So he says to Judah, I want you to return to me. And he says to us, I don't know where you are in your walk with Jesus, but who does? Dad does, the Lord does, and he might be saying to you, I know he said to me at times, just chilly. Be honest, Randy. Let's start right here. Return to me by number one. Admit, agree, admit that where you are is wrong, that this area of your life is not honoring you. Confess that sin. It's, it's forgiven in the blood. That's not what we're talking about here. Doesn't change you still his child. But just like if Jimmy's little boy, Hudson, if he gets older and he hurts his dad, he's still his little boy, but he's going to turn to his dad and say, I'm sorry, Dad, right? It's the same thing. God is my father. He forgives me, he loves me, he wants to show me that. So he says to me, number one, acknowledge your iniquity, verse 13. Acknowledge it. The Hebrew means your guilt for what you're doing. The way you're behaving, the way you're acting, and it might be your thought life. Remember, it doesn't have to be an over talk about omission, sins of omission, sins of commission. It may not be an overt act that everybody knows. It may just be something in your thought life. But you gotta get right with God. Maybe something you're looking at on the internet at work, you know you shouldn't be looking at. Maybe it's some text messages that you're sending. Maybe it's it, it's some things you're posting. You know, as a Christian, I, I probably shouldn't have done that. We have unique ways of gossiping now, don't we? Unique ways. Tools that can be great can also be used for horrible things. But God says, I want you to acknowledge your iniquity. You're not going to fool me. Step two, admit that you have transgressed against your God. Agree. Openly admit it. Acknowledge that is there. Turn to Jeremiah, just chapter 8 at this moment. We'll show you something. Look over to chapter 8. We're going to come right back to 3. Chapter 8, verse 1. This time, says the Lord, they shall bring out the bones of the kings of Judah. Remember, he's saying to Judah now, 
want you to come by. And the bones of his princes, the bones of his priests, the bones of the prophets, the bones of the inhabitants of Jerusalem out of their graves. They shall spread them before the sun and the moon and all the hosts of heaven. And notice the next phraseology in verse 2. And that which they have loved and which they have served and after which they have walked, which they have sought, which they have worshipped. They shall not be gathered nor buried. They shall be like refuse on the face of the earth. I want you to clearly note verse 2. He's saying this is where Judah was. The sun, the moon, the host of heaven. He's saying this is what they were worshipping. This is that spiritual adultery I was talking about, that spiritual harlotry. This is the idolatry. Romans, Paul talks about chapter 1 this way, reach the point that you're worshipping the creation and not the creator. That's what they were doing. They were following those pagan idols, worship the sun, worship the moon, those the praises, the host of heaven, even worshiping angels. They loved them, they served them, they walked after them, they sought them, and they worshiped them. Instead of seeking after, walking after who? Their God. Their God. Instead, they're chasing after these idols. They're loving them. They're serving them. They're worshiping them. And they should be loving me, me, worshiping me, serving me. Next verse. Death shall be chosen rather than life. And all the residents of those who remain of this equal family, who remain in all the places where I've driven in, says the Lord of hosts. For oh, you shall say to them, Thus says the Lord, Will they fall and not rise? Will one turn away and not return? Why has this people slidden back? Jerusalem in a perpetual backsliding. <clears throat> on and on and on, over and over again. Perpetual. They hold fast in deceit. They refuse to return. Hard-headed. Another term that's used in Scripture is stiff-necked. They bow that neck. Tell God, no. No. You look my life. I listen, verse 6. They refuse to return, and God said, I listen. They heard. They do not speak aright, nor man repented of his wickedness, saying, What have I done? Everyone turned to his own horse, as the horse rushes into battle. Now go back to Jeremiah chapter 3. Verse 13 again in the middle of it. This is what they did. You scattered your charms to alien deities under every green tree. Talked about that a little bit last week. And every opportunity they got in worshiping another idol. In Jeremiah chapter 8, you see God saying, This is where we got to. Perpetual deities. We're going to dig your bones up, we're going to lay them out under the sun and the moon and all these other. The stars and all these other things they worship and see what they can do for them. And the answer is they can do for them nothing. All they have to offer is death. But I, God, can offer life. Well, let's fast forward and let's apply this to us today. I don't care who you are. You can chase anything you want to chase that you think might make you happy. Spiritually and otherwise. But until you come to the person of Jesus Christ and surrender to the one who died for your sins, we sang about it earlier today, paid your debt, 
that you could never pay. You owed a debt you would never be able to pay for your sin. Jesus lovingly, the Romans 5:18, even while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, manifested his love. Till I come to him and surrender to him and say, You're right. I will never know life. Now, let's say you are born again. And let's say you are a Christian. That's what backsliding involves. And then you just kind of stop focusing on Christ and get away from it. You talk about spending that time on the Lord. Your daily walk. It's not important to you. You're just doing life. It's not a bad person. You're not out stealing. You're not out robbing. You're not murdering. You're not running around with your wife. You're okay. Again, passive rebellion. Active rebellion. Most of us, I'm pointing at myself, most of us, you're here regularly. Your rebellion is probably passive. Not, just not being what you need to do. Just not being everything that God wants you to do. Your thought life might be messed up. You don't look at every day as an opportunity. Lord, what do you want out of this day today? How can I make an impact in the life or the lives of people around me? What can I do to the kingdom? How can I help spread the gospel? Gotta begin with being honest. That confession. The picture you see that God wants you to see twofold. It's repentance, but it's confession. Repentance simply means changing your mind. I'm sliding back, and you know what? I don't want to slide back. I want to go forward. And now I'm talking to you as a 61-year-old man who's been a Christian for 45 years, who's been in the ministry for 31 plus years. If I don't spend time alone with God and His Word and in my prayer life, you know what happens to me? I slide back. Not real long. But if, I, if that becomes a habit, keep sliding back. Keep sliding back. And you start reaching for don't care. Don't care. You, and what's so encouraging about this, is God wants to remind you. He has chosen us to be his tool to say to the world, there is a God. And his name is Jesus. What a privilege to be a Christian. So it's repentance, which leads to confession, which is all we've been talking about, agreeing with God. Agreeing with God. Now I want you to know this starting, going back to verse 12. Jump around a bit. Verse 12. Notice God's promise to you when the repentance and the confession occurred. I love this because we all need it. You're not perfect. Look what God promises. Verse 12. God says, Return to me, and I will. One of the things I love about reading scripture is when God says, I will do something, what do you know? He will do it. It's not like Randy telling you. You can count on me. I will get that done. And I might have the best of intentions. But also might forget. Sometimes I forget to take a shower. I forget to comb my three hairs. I forget to shave. Or I forget that I told somebody I, I called them today or I emailed them or I get with them and I forget. 
just don't do it. Do your God, when he tells you he's going to do something, what do you do? It will be done. Don't let it be written, so let it be done. It will be done. Now notice what he said, verse 12. Return to me, and I will give you grace and mercy. And I love this verse. All that we've seen, all the backsliding, all that they've done, God says, go and tell this, Jeremiah. He's talking to Israel now. Tell them, return to backsliding Israel. It's been a hundred years, by the way, that this spoken. Just Israel done into the Assyrian captivity. A hundred years later, what's God say to them? I'm still here. I punish you. I come back. I will not cause my anger to fall on you. I am merciful, says the Lord. I will not remain angry forever. God says, return. Return. Here's a word I want you to take away from this. Maybe write it in the margin of your, your outline there. Write it in big letters. There's big letters on my outline. Here's what God is saying. It's no matter how much you slide back, no matter how much you thumb your nose at me, turn your back, and ignore me, and chase after some other God, I'm going to tell you, show you grace. I'll show you mercy. There is hope. That's the big one. There is hope. Heard me say it many times. It's my favorite word in the Bible to describe what it means to be a Christian. I have hope. And it's not a wish. The word means confident expectation. <coughs> so, you see, I'm not trusting in me. Who am I trusting in? God who is faithful. God who will come through. God who is real. Frank the Savior called him in his great book back in the 60s. He said, He's the God who was there. Not the God you made up, not the A and He's the God who is God. Remember his name, Moses, in the book? What did he tell Moses his name was? I am. What did Jesus tell the Pharisees his name was? And Jesus said, Before Abraham was, I am. Not an accident, Jesus chose that phrase God. It's the same to them. You think you can follow God? I'm telling you, I am God. Better get it together. I am. But God says, I'm going to show you grace. I'm going to show you mercy. In Isaiah 55, the Bible says this. That the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts. His thoughts. Let him return to the Lord, and he, the Lord, will have mercy on him. Return to our God. He will abundantly pardon if somebody had treated you the way Israel and then Judah had treated God, what would be your attitude toward that person? I've had it with you here on your own. Now God punished them. God disciplined them. But it was all done out of what? Love and righteousness. God said, come back. I'll show you grace. I'll show you mercy. Isaiah, I will abundantly pardon you. Let's come back. Look at verse 14. Says it again, a different way. Return, verse 14, Jeremiah 3. Return, O backsliding children, says the Lord. For I am married to you. I will take you, one from a city, two from a family, and I will bring you to Zion. A beautiful picture. Tenderness and intimacy. Says, I'm married to you. The picture here is a picture of a remnant. So return to me. I'm married to you. And I'll take two from here and one from here. 
my family, we're going to Zion. And Brenda, those who trust me, those who are born again and are righteous, will take you to Zion. And Zion is a picture of ultimately of heaven. You will be with me. Notice how he puts it. I will take you. I will bring you. I will die one day. As will you. If I'm a Christian, I go to heaven. Why? Because God said, He'll take care of me. Through the blood of Jesus Christ, I'm born again. I do not get there based on my looks, my money, or what I've done. Mother Teresa, as good a woman as she was, and all the great things that she did, she did not go to heaven based on those actions. She went based on the blood of Jesus Christ. He paid for death. God says, just return to me. Picture of tenderness, tenderness, intimacy. I love you. Despite the fact you have not loved me in return, I love you. Return to me. Well, I hope this encourages you. It shows me. Because I know so often I think of myself and I look in that mirror we talked about last week. Look in the mirror, I'm satisfied. And I look at it and I think, I didn't do anything for God today. Not that I'm a bad person. I can do anything again. <laughs> it might be your prayer life. Well, I spend a lot of time just praying for you guys, praying for things that I know that are going on, that Satan's going to use. There's some things going on right now that I know in some of your lives that Satan's going to use to hurt this body. Probably going to happen. It hurts me. I know it hurts our Heavenly Father. God just said, there's no reason for it. Good food. I'm going to give you rulers who 
smart track and I'm going to have them teach you some stuff that will help you grow. Good food. Not something that will poison you. And then he also said, I'm going to give you a healing. Look down at verse 22. Return, you backsliding children. I will heal your backslides. Indeed, we do come to you, for you, for the Lord our God. What I want you to notice in verse 22 is that things are going to stop here today. Here's what I want you to notice about verse 22 it's God's answer to their prayer in verse 21. So look at verse 21. A voice was heard on the desolate heights, weeping and supplications of the children of Israel. For they have perverted their way, they have forgotten. The Lord their God. Notice verse 21. Where are they crying from? What kind of heights? The desolate heights. They're out there chasing all these idols. And they find that it's a desert. desert. It's desolate. It's not what we thought it would be. Notice the prayer. Weeping. Supplication. They've perverted their way. They've forgotten their God. We spent two weeks looking at that. Clearly, they had forgotten their God. So notice verse 42. Return, God says, and I'll heal. Return. Here's the picture I want you to see of that. This is where I'm so encouraged. The picture there is a restored relationship. <clears throat> See, if there's a problem between me and God, who solves the problem? I did. Because God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's immutable. He does not change. So if there's a problem between me and God, it's Randy's problem. Well, hope, here's what I hope you take away from today. You're one of those who has smitten back. And you're not where you need to be. It can be just in one area of your life. God said to you, I know that. I know every place you've been, I know everything you've done. I love it. I love it. Come back. Come back. I'll show you grace. I'll show you mercy. I'll heal it. I'll let you be everything that you want to be. I'm going to work. There's so many great examples of this in the Bible. My favorite. Probably the Apostle Peter, after he denied Jesus, denied Jesus leaving the most. By that fire, he couldn't even admit the little servant girl that knew Jesus. He could curse Jesus' name. After Jesus rose from the dead, they're out fishing with Jesus. As we come in, and by the fire, Jesus said to Peter three times, He asked him, Do you love me? Do you love me? Love me, keep my sheep. Tend my sheep. Feed my sheep. In other words, Peter, come back. Come back. He came back. And God took him. He led the church. Acts, you know, this morning, Acts in our class, 1 through 7, is the history of the early church at Jerusalem, led by Peter. Same guy. You're not perfect. He wasn't perfect. If you slid him back, 
Give us all for chasing items. We get done. 